is an intro. Let's do this. Hello, and welcome back to Okay, Fine, I'll Watch It, the podcast where I, your host, Rahat Sani, discuss incredibly popular media that I've never seen before and I'm watching for the very first time with someone who loves it. On today's episode, we're talking about the Matrix films with comedian Gavin Clarkson. Before we jump into it, a quick reminder to follow the podcast Instagram at okayfineallwatchit to stay updated on what I'm watching next in case you want to join in on the fun. You can also join the OK Fine community Discord and share your thoughts with me there. And without much further ado, let's start the episode. Well, folks, with us this week, we have Vancouver-based comedian Gavin Clarkson. Gavin, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Hello. Hi, welcome. Now, I've been so excited to talk about the Matrix films. It's genuinely, believe it or not, was my inspiration for starting this whole podcast. I made this TikTok a little while ago where I was pretending to understand the plot of the Matrix in a conversation. That was what I was doing. And it didn't do well. And that's not the point. But it inspired me to actually watch the Matrix. And I realized hey, why don't I watch all of these things that I keep avoiding? And that's, that was the original um, inspiration behind this podcast, believe it or not, was The Matrix. So I'm so glad that I've finally done it. When was the first time that you watched these movies? Uh, I'm trying to remember the when I saw the very first one. I saw the sequels in theaters with my buddies. I would have been in like middle school-ish at the time when the sequels were coming out. So I'm pretty sure I saw the first one as a kid uh, as a rental after it came out. Nice. That Were was you in... Blockbuster or, or Roger's Video, if that was a thing back then? That was Roger's Video, yeah. Because <laughs> we didn't have, I, I grew up in Whitehorse, Yukon, and we just had Roger's Video. That was the only choice. And so naturally, wow. I probably saw The Matrix months after it was released to VHS. It took a <laughs> while to permeate up north. Fair enough, fair enough. And like, as a kid, what was your reaction to this film? At least the oh. first one. It blew my mind. I didn't know anything. My parents never watched Kung Fu films or anything. I didn't have cable growing up. I only had CBC, the French Channel, and APTN, which occasionally would like air Rambo for some reason. But <laughs> like, if you wanted to watch a weird 80s action movie and you only had the rabbit ears back in, back in the 90s when I was growing up, you went to APTN and there was a good chance you'd have some like 80s schlock action flick but I'd never seen a kung fu flick before let alone the kind of sci-fi combo that the matrix turned out to be and it just like everyone else it blew my mind I thought it was the coolest thing in the world I was a little kid I just wanted to get sunglasses and a trench coat thank god I didn't have the money to do so because it turns out that fashion trend went the wrong direction hey you know what if there's one thing that I'm learning it's that everything is coming back you know, outward racism, oh, yeah. trench coats, yeah. everything mm -hmm. is just making making a solid return. So if you had made that investment, chances are now you would get to capitalize on it. Right, fair. But notice how you said trench coats and outward racism right next to each other. <laughs> That's not a coincidence at all. You might be right about that. I don't think the dude wearing a black leather trench coat has the most progressive views on immigration. For hey, some you know what? You might you might not be wrong. And <laughs> and I I'm very interested in like we can get this we can get this conversation rolling right off the bat because it's so 
interesting to me the way that this red pill blue pill conversation has become so much bigger than these films and i was really into the first film i will agree blew my mind yeah like my watching it for the first time this week i was like okay all right i get what the hype is about like (laughs) watching it i was like this is pretty trippy and it's very enjoyable but the obviously in that first film we have that red pill blue pill conversation and all i could think about is how that's gotten so blown out of proportion in some ways in the real world so how do you interpret what's going on explain to me as if i don't know what any of this is explain to me what's gone on with red pill blue pill outside of these films if you haven't seen The Matrix, and Rahat's the only one who has Just me. So this is <laughs> only just me, and her. I just did, so. <laughs> so the red, blue pill, blue pill, those are the pills Morpheus offers to Neo, and the red pill gets you out of the computer program. The blue pill lets you keep the veil over your eyes and live your happy life in lies and be a slave your entire time. Mm-hmm. And now that has been taken on by the type of people that wear leather trench coats to talk about <laughs> how if someone's been blue pilled, it's that they are fully convinced by a conspiracy theory to the point that they will die for it. And that is across the gamut, across either side of the political spectrum. People use the idea of the blue pill for if somebody disagrees strongly with their insane ideals, you've been blue pilled. And the guy Mm -hmm. with the red pill is the cool dude in the combat boots who actually knows what's going on. Right, so it's almost like, it's almost like this, magical vision into reality, right? Yeah. Like, oh, I've taken the red pill, so you can't fool me. I see through it all. Exactly. They're the only ones that know the true truth, and the rest right. of you are just a bunch of sheep. Right, right, right. Which, yeah, wake up sheeple is definitely something that very smart people say. It's 100% smart people. Trench coats, blue, red pillin', and waking <laughs> up the sheeple are the heroes of this generation. Definitely. Well, what I find so fascinating about that is the the community that I have witnessed most often using the red pill, and I would agree that it's probably used across the political spectrum and across all interests, just because the ideology is, well, I see the truth and you don't. I think that can be used mm-hmm. by anybody. Um, but the community that I've most witnessed doing this is the very alt-right nonsense in cell oh, yeah, crowd, right? For sure. Okay, cool. And what's so interesting to me is like, with that first film, the thematic elements are so strong with control and um like i wrote down a bunch of these things but i felt like control was the outlier control Mm -hmm. fate destiny inevitability lots of cool stuff to make you think after the film is over yeah and what i find so fascinating is that the people who largely have a lot of free will and privilege in this world are the ones saying that they're waking up from a simulation. Like there's there's some sort of dissonance that I don't quite understand there. Yeah. Have you been able to make sense of any of this? No, no, but I fully agree. <laughs> the type of person that does the whole red pill, blue pill screeching are the ones that have hardly suffered their entire lives. Right? And suddenly <laughs> they believe that there's this incredible but unseen form of oppression that is keeping them down. And that's the thing with the Matrix movies is that the people that start waking up and want to get unplugged, they feel something. They don't know what it is, but they feel something is wrong. And that's kind of where the red pill, blue pill thing comes from. But here's the thing with systematic oppression and discrimination. Uh, it's pretty evident most of the time. You don't have this like, oh, oh, what is th- something? 
I don't get <laughs> something's not right. No, you 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 get it. You, they'll let you know when it's oh, happening yeah. to you. I can tell you one thing about all the racism that I've experienced in my life. It's usually not just like an itching feeling. Yeah, exactly. It's not like, yeah, <laughs> what is, what was something is in the a, air today? Is there an ant crawling up my leg or is it systematic racism? I can't tell. <laughs> yeah, I can't pick no. it up. It's hard to get those wires crossed, you know? It is, but yeah. That is fascinating. I, yeah, I thought that control and the way that it was explored over the three films um, was... Uh, it got a little muddled for me. So what are your reactions to the sequels? Did you like them as much as the original? Is there is there any kind of conversation about that among Matrix fans? Uh, I don't know about Matrix fans. It's been been a while since I've been to the forums. Uh, oh, a lot fair of people in trench coats on there. Oh, uh, gotta, stay, gotta stay away from those. Gotta, stay, gotta keep my trench coat unsullied by the bad trench coats. So my true. trench coat's cool. Yeah. But... Oh, it is. If you wear it out now, Gavin, I will support it. Yeah. And I, I, hadn't, I hadn't seen these movies in a while i marathoned them in preparation for this first and i remembered how badly received the sequels were and okay. upon rewatching, not the worst not what did i recall and as being as bad as they could but the problem with the matrix movies is that you kind of need to do your own research on those films to enjoy them and that kind of means that they're not great at telling a story <laughs> like when you do a bunch of like the background fan theories and stuff you're like oh that's super cool and if you're watching them for the first time with no context you're like this makes no sense is he jesus now <laughs> yeah okay yeah at the end i was like hang on so you're telling me that he sacrificed himself for um what is it now let's put it lightly the sins of the people like i'm not mm -hmm. sure what happened but i'm like he's the one and then he sacrificed himself to save everyone and it was like a little bit noah's ark -y with all the people i don't know it was a little bit very religious yeah at the, the end for sure it's heavy-handed and that's yeah. a frustrating thing because like the matrix was a perfect standalone movie it's fantastic. It ends right where it needs to, and it introduces like special effects that have never been seen before. And are, it was so foundational to action movie making that the things they do, if you watch them now, seem really hokey and old hat because they've been rehashed so many times. They invented bullet time. And then Zack Snyder came along, and now we're tired of seeing it forever. Right. Like Zack Snyder did 300 and Watchmen and everything ever since. And he's written three minute scripts that he's managed to make into four hour movies because <laughs> of bullet time. But Matrix only did it once. They did one scene of bullet dodging in the first movie, which I didn't realize until I watched it again. There's only that one moment. Yeah. And, and it was uh, mind blowing to watch for the first time. Oh, it was insane. Yeah. yeah nothing like that cool. had been done before. They invented whole new technologies for it. It's a perfect movie. And then the sequels come along and they pretty clearly had no idea what they really wanted to do about <laughs> it. And it really falls apart. And also, like, if we're moving on to the sequels now, because this is a lot. With yeah. Those. Go. Oh, go for it. We'll jump back to the first one when we want to. But go ahead. Why did they get so sexy? What <laughs> happened there? Like, the first movie can't be more than PG-13. It's a fun movie you can watch with your kind of grown-up kids to see a really cool kung fu sci-fi action flick with all these, like, neat things that'll go over the kids' heads, but they'll get to see the really cool bullet dodging. Then you get to the next movie, and you're sitting in the theater with your young child that you brought to this movie that you have for no reason to expect that it's rated R. And then Morpheus does his cave speech, which is bad. It's a bad speech. Every speech in the Matrix movies is a terrible speech. And then there's a rave orgy for like 17 minutes. Question for you. Have you seen Sense8? 
I haven't seen Sense8. Okay, because my only exposure to anything the Wachowskis have done was Sense8. Oh, and yeah, that was like the first bit. I remember when I was watching Sense8, it said like created by the creators of The Matrix. And I was like, oh, oh right, okay. That gives me context, I guess. But I hadn't seen The Matrix, so it didn't. Mm-hmm. And um, I watched Sense8, loved the show, huge fan. And while watching the like sex scene orgy rave thing post Morpheus's speech, it reminded me a lot of the sex scenes in Sense8, which there are many of, and a lot of them are orgies. Um, they and last way too long. They last a long time. Yeah. And like, I'm not here to hate on sex, but, but it was it was long in this in the in the film. Along with, I felt like in the sequels. I mean, I don't want to be a hater on the fight scenes. I'm very much throughout this journey of this podcast trying to open my mind to action films because <laughs> it's not something that I was super into growing up. And I really enjoyed the action in all of the films. I really did. I think the kung oh, fu so and fun. stuff. Oh, it's so cool. Like the whole training session between Morpheus and Neo in that first film is incredible. So oh, cool yeah. to watch. But I did feel in movie two and movie three, I was like, all right, okay, let's, you know, let, we can wrap yeah. up. Like, I know what's happening. Okay, There's we so know he's going to get out of this. Can we just, can we move it along to the part where he gets away? Yeah. And there's so much fat. The first Matrix movie had so little fat. It was like almost every scene was required for the story to move yes. forward. And like the, the movies were nice, like the fight scenes and everything were trimmed nicely. The sequels are nothing but fat because <laughs> you have like the speeches and there's several of them. They're all bad. All of them are just being like, we're here to do the thing that we're going to do. And then everyone cheers for some reason. They're all terrible motivational speeches. And then there's the weird sexy rave scene. And then there's the Merovingian scene where he like date rapes somebody. Yeah, and that's yeah. relevant to the plot somehow. Like he gives it's a girl very, a cake. Very confusing. I was like, okay, we get it. Chocolate is better than sex, I guess. Like yeah. whatever is the point of this. Yeah. That he's magic. He's, I mean, he's a computer, but he's magic. Okay, whatever. Yeah. He's what just, is the like, point? He's a horny sex sorcerer. And he's just like, <laughs> And he's talking about nothing. He's like, yes, like like cause and effect is what brought you to me. Speaking of cause and effect, this girl is eating some horny cake right now. Check that out, hey? What you she's guys gonna, think of that? She's gonna have an orgasm right now. Watch. Yeah. Hey man, I'm, why? I'm gonna go do I'm gonna go take advantage of it later. Yeah. And then also that that whole I don't know what happened. Like the, it almost feels those movies feel like like the creators had hit puberty at the point of Matrix Reloaded or something and Maybe. just decided to make the movies horny as heck. Because you get to the Merovingian scene, which is all about the orgasm cake and his wife is sitting next to him. And I yeah. can only imagine the casting notes for the wife are just like, and his wife's sitting there and she's just, uh, so much boobs, man. Like, so much boobs. The best of the <laughs> boobs. And then he talks about horny cake for too long. And then the other girl is Marilyn Monroe and she yeah. eats the horny cake. Does this have anything to do with the plot? I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure. I have think you had? I think <laughs> I mean unless somebody wants to bring me a slice of that cake, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. You exactly. know? <laughs> but it's very I I was curious about the women in the movie. I love Trinity the whole time. Oh, she's I, great. Can't stress enough how much I love Trinity. Every time she's on screen, I'm like, do this for longer. Cool. Mm-hmm. I'm into it. Uh, she jumps off a thing. She gets on a thing. Her, her t- tight leather outfit is Can so you funny. Imagine the sweat. In... I can't. I can't. Also, like it does. I mean, I don't want to tell anybody how to costume design because it looks sick as hell. Oh, but it, it can't be the most convenient to like fight somebody in. 
right? No, it's got to be. Well, yeah, it's got to be the worst because it's stretchy. It it's got uh, movement. Uh, like maybe because in my head, it doesn't like it looks <laughs> it looks like it's not like latex, but it does sometimes look like latex. But I don't know. It's it's a little strange. But I do you know why they recast the Oracle? That was a question I had. I'm, I can't recall. I think the actress died. Oh, I no. Think that's, that's what, what I was hoping. Did I was like, maybe she didn't want to be involved anymore. I was really yeah. hoping it wasn't that she's dead because I really liked I, that actress. I know. I, I think, and I, I'd have to check this, but I, yeah. re- no, recalling when the movies came out, I'd even forgotten that that, that, that that cast change had happened in the third movie. But I believe it's because the actress before had died while they were filming. I right. think. I'd have to Google that. And that's, that's something like, I haven't fact-checked. Summer, so but it happens. Yeah, yeah R.I.P. R.I.P. the original Oracle. Um, <laughs> I did think that, oh, the only real defense that I have of the last two movies is Jada Pinkett Smith. She's great. Niobe's great. Yeah, oh, like yeah. Her, her, her piloting the ship through the mechanical line in that last mm-hmm. film is the only reason that film should exist. Oh, it's to fantastic. Be honest. That's the coolest part of that whole set. I mean, I think of both of those last two movies because, yeah, I felt similarly and I was curious about what people's reaction was to these films because also I was surprised to find out that they came out in the same year. Yep. Yeah, they filmed back to back. Yeah, which like they don't, not that they don't do that anymore. The people film uh, sequels back to back a lot, but release them like a year after one another usually these days. Um, and so I was surprised to hear that they came out at the same time. But I was curious about the fans' reactions to these films because I genuinely like I like to think I'm a pretty smart gal, but <laughs> but watching those last two movies, I was like, huh. And that's where they fall apart because you have to have looked into all of the ideas behind it. And here's the most infuriating thing with the matrix is that it was almost the absolute best and the absolute perfect. It has a hideous gaping plot hole from the very beginning that has since been filled by fan theories and since been revealed that they were going to change it in an original script. So the idea of going back to the first one is that Mm -hmm. mankind is enslaved to be used as power batteries. And then you liquefy a man and then you feed him to another man and he keeps on being a power battery. That's Mm -hmm. insanely dumb. That is an awful (laughs) premise. That's completely violating any laws of thermodynamics. Like there's nothing in that that works at all. You can't, a human being takes way more energy to keep alive than he provides, like bar none. And also Morpheus is all like, we scorched the sky. So they couldn't, that's my Morpheus voice. (laughs) It's really good. We, we scorched the sky. Scorched the sky, isn't it? <laughs> I, I love it. I, I think you should do that. Go on. <laughs> scorched the sky, isn't it? Couldn't use the sun. So they couldn't use the sun because they made a bunch of black clouds. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't build above the clouds. They couldn't just like make their buildings just a tiny bit taller. Yeah, I was surprised when they do fly above the clouds in that, I think it's the last film, and Trinity's like... Beautiful. And I'm like, wait, so the sun, wait, the sun was there the whole time? Yeah, it's still there. They just made it cloudy. They're like, they can't use solar panels now. I'm like, can't they use the heat of the earth like you guys do? Why? There's so much more they could do with this. There's like fusion power and stuff. So that makes zero sense. But apparently in the first draft that the Wachowskis proposed for this, mankind was not enslaved as batteries. They were enslaved so the machines could use their brains as, uh, as a giant neural networked computer. So they were using mankind's brains as a very, like the wor- the universe's most efficient processor. And when all linked together, it made the machines more powerful because they 
can do processing on the human brain, which is way more complex than their silicon chips. And that makes so much more sense even through the rest of the movies, but apparently it was rejected because the producers decided in the year of like 99, was this? Mm -hmm. Like at the turn of the century when the internet was pretty new, people wouldn't really get what that meant. But now we're stuck with this ridiculous battery concept, which makes no sense in the rest of the Matrix. Yeah. And I rant about this because it could have been such a better idea. Yeah, that neural network thing actually makes way more sense because that is it one does. aspect of humanity that is unparalleled in any other species on the planet. Exactly. The brain power. So that's the only thing that makes sense. Exactly. Yeah, human body energy is not that... I mean, like, yes, it's a valuable resource, I guess. I, I did think it was interesting how the way that that first movie f set it up with the human battery theory is that, like, okay, humanity's worst nightmare is to become an overexploited resource. It so, seems like a decent deal, doesn't it? Like, I mean, it's what we did to the whole planet. <laughs> <laughs> so like, kind of interesting, I guess. Um, but yeah, the neural network thing works way better. So I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that just because it makes for a stronger, it makes for a stronger usage of humans. It's a, the stronger usage plus the idea of how people who are unplugged can be really fast and like react re really speedy and be really strong in the matrix is because their brains aren't completely linked to the system. Part of their brain processing power is no longer being occupied by the machine's calculations and so they can use that power of their brains to be super fast and strong in the matrix. And so the whole plot point carries through the series and would be way better. But they're like, nah, it's batteries because audiences are so stupid. So we're doing the batteries thing. And this really great idea you came up with, which was well before your time. Nah, kiboshing it. What are computers? Yeah, I, anyway, I know what a battery is. <laughs> yeah, it's very fun to me to watch like sci-fi that came out in the, because the, the first episode of this podcast was about Star Wars. And um, which was, you know, also sci-fi, but came out in like the late 70s and 80s. And so yeah. it's very funny to watch sci-fi that came out so long ago, because the understanding that they have of what computers can do and like what people are using computers for and how people as in the audience will understand the usage of computers shapes the content to some degree, but it's very funny in retrospect. It's very yeah, funny yeah. now to look at what people in the late nineties were thinking would be unreasonable for yeah. audiences to understand. Whereas uh, neural networks, it makes a lot of sense and it may have aged better. Um, for the series, if that is yeah. the route that they had gone with. It makes the whole series make more sense. Oh, absolutely. Now, speaking of the creators, they have obviously come out as trans women um, mm -hmm. since these movies were made. And a lot of people now, I've even heard this just in regular conversation that the Matrix films are an allegory for transness uh, and the trans experience. Mm -hmm. Has your perception of the films changed at all since you've learned that the creators are trans women? Or do you believe that this has changed the perception of the films on a on a larger scale in general. I do love that. It's something I, I hadn't considered, uh, but the idea of feeling that something's wrong that you cannot change and see, spending your life find, trying to find the reason for that, that's prevalent throughout the Matrix series, especially the first movie. There's something you feel that isn't right that you're chasing after, but you're not quite sure what it is. Mm -hmm. And knowing that in retrospect, I hadn't thought of that, but knowing in retrospect, that's 100% something that could have come from 
uh, that, that trauma of, of, of coming, uh, coming out as trans later on in life. So I 100% see that. It doesn't change my perception in the movie at all. I mm -hmm. still think, like, I still think of them the way I did back then. They're really cool sci-fi movies, really cool kung fu. And I'm not all of a sudden going to watch them and be like, oh, this is about gross gay stuff. Like, it's not ruined <laughs> for me all of a sudden. Ah, the queers are at it again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they took Don't the Matrix my... from me. <laughs> Don't take my sci-fi away from me. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that uh, what I love about that is that these films are so widely considered, especially the first one, as being groundbreaking in a lot of different ways um, with exploding across cinema as this sci-fi kung fu action-packed experience and and involving so many of these like high concept ideas <laughs> but i love that it added a layer to people's love for this uh film to think about how it's been informed by the experiences of trans women i love that long term for the film and i love that for trans audiences who hopefully feel really seen by this if not before oh, yeah. then hopefully now they do but yeah, yeah that's I a think, very cool layer to it i think it's a very cool layer and it just adds to the films a lot for me because i'm getting to watch them knowing that the creators are trans women so i feel like it's it's much easier for me to see that but i i also think it's cool for the people who had seen them already and learned about it afterwards to develop a layer of understanding like you said about like oh i can see how this has been informed by that it wasn't there plain as day before but now it is now that i yeah, know exactly yeah, which is really cool but speaking on the topic of uh progressive ideas in the matrix movies mm -hmm. uh let's talk about the matrix reloaded and the twins the two enemy uh henchmen because yeah. Rewatching that Matrix movie, the twins, for those uh, who need a reminder, are Merovingian's henchmen. They're the guys that turn into ghosts and can phase through things and have big, long dreadlocks. Yeah, uh, the guys with the dreads, right? <laughs> I was watching this with my wife. I could have sworn I remembered that the actors cast for that role were two albino black people. I could have sworn that was, was cast in the role. And then we get to it, and it's these two white dudes in their 40s with like a receding hairline and these Rasta dreads. And I cringed in half. I couldn't. And you see them in the background, like they're trying to be like the coolest dudes in the world and just like nodding with their sunglasses. And they look like an accountant having a midlife crisis. It's so out of place. And I was oh. so busy staring at their faces and being like, oh, these are white dudes. And then my, my wife calls out, is like, did you see their hairline? And I was like, no. When I go back to rewatch those films, they have a cul-de-sac. They have Rasta dreads <laughs> in a cul-de-sac. They look like somebody on Wall Street was just like, you know what? I'm done with the system. I'm going to be who I want to be and went out and got dreadlocks the next day in trench coats. I do, I do love a receding hairline dreadlocks combo on a it's white the, man. Oh man, the, the the classic, the classic skullet dreads are really a look that doesn't get utilized enough. Honestly, reverse racism doesn't have to be real if men like that are just walking around. They're doing it for us, okay? We, we don't have to do anything. We don't have to do no, anything. Exactly. Just be, just be like a fifty-year-old white man with dreads and a receding hairline. I, yep. yeah, I, I was wondering what the hell was going on with those guys because they looked pasty mm -hmm. and i thought it was like in a in an unusual way but i think they were maybe just really powdered up i think they were just yeah powdered, like powdered up powdered white up, people but they were powdered up in some scenes but not others when it first introduced them in the shooting the club it just looks like 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 these yeah these just normal 40 year old white dudes 
who just are having the time, like just think they're the coolest ones in the room. You know that they order the hot, the top shelf liquor, but they've never tasted it before. They're just like, I know it's $80 a glass. And then they <laughs> sip and they're like, mm, the tannins. You don't know what that word means, Greg. Mm, Why do we like keep $80. Yeah, this tastes like $80. <laughs> I mine Bitcoin. Stick around. We'll be right back. Oh, I found out recently that there's a new movie. Yes, yeah. Are you excited about the new movie? I am. I wouldn't be, but then they made John Wick. And now if Keanu's in anything, I'm going to give it all of my money. Fair enough. I was surprised because, okay, my first exposure to Keanu Reeves was in a comedy movie that I can't remember the name of, but mm -hmm. he was playing himself. Keanu Reeves oh, was playing like Keanu a... Reeves. He was doing like a get, he was like a little guest on a film. Cameo, yeah. Uh, yeah, a little cameo. And I didn't know who he was really, other than I'd heard his name, but I saw him in the film. He was playing himself. He was playing a dick. And it was very funny because it like seemed like the joke was the fact that Keanu Reeves is very lovely. Yeah. And um, which I love that. I love when people can poke fun at themselves. So I was like, this guy seems cool. But I didn't know how big of an action star Keanu Reeves really is until I saw this. And then I was like, oh, and there's John Wick, which I haven't even thought about, but I'm planning on doing it for the podcast. So I'll watch it at some point. And it's very wild to me how much this would have, like, was he a big uh, film star before The Matrix? Do you know? Or Yeah, he, he was known for sure. There was, there was uh, Bill, and Ted's, uh, Bill and Ted's Adventure. He was in that. Uh, he was in the Dracula movie. Um, he's awful in that film. That's <laughs> okay, the, the nice. worst acting of anybody ever is Keanu Reeves in the Dracula movie. But he was a bankable star at this point, and The Matrix is really what shot him in the stratosphere as just the action leading man, the best lead action leading man of all time at that point. Right, and then he went on to ride that wave with John Wick. Yeah. Right, cool. Well, I think he's, I think he's amazing in these films oh, yeah. for sure like the i mean i think the the action kind of speaks for itself it's it's hard to to really you can't argue with how cool that looks yeah, <laughs> you, can't. You, can't. you can't you can't argue with how cool the action is in these films i think it's really fun i thought it was a little excessive in the second two but i thought it was really really fun still i do really like his character i was confused about the jesus similarities <laughs> There's always Jesus similarities. And I and I just honestly I'm a little bored of it. I'm like, man, can we move on from making every every like lone male character a Jesus? Can we can that's we why pick I something think something else? That's why I think that they had no plans for a sequel because the Matrix did really well and they went back to the Wachowskis and like, hey, can you can you can you do more? And they're like, I have no I Bible? We'll do the Bible. We'll do the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and then they yeah, just yeah, yeah. that was their plot. It's Bible. Jesus sacrifice done. All done. <laughs> I do. I felt I could relate to Neo in some ways because a million identical white men named Smith are also my nemesis. So, <laughs> so I was like, you know what? That works. I feel you. I feel you on that. Smith as a character. Oh, my was, favorite villain of all time. Oh, my God. So much fun to watch. I love the way he speaks. Yeah. That was the best. Oh, he's perfect. He's so campy. Yeah. So campy as a villain. And I love a campy villain. I mean, yeah. he, he just goes for it. I I was confused, as I think I was with a lot of stuff in the second two films. I was confused about the whole him turning other characters into, I mean, like being able to control the Matrix in the way of creating clones of himself, essentially. Um, yeah. I was confused about how that worked. On, it was like, just like other, in... Like the Oracle and stuff. And yeah, I don't know. It, they kind of lost cool... me on that. 
there's cool stuff if you again if you get into the fan theories behind it but again that's just bad writing if the fans have to fill your plot holes for you bad writing but when you get into the plot holes it gets very cool and here's something that i hadn't realized with smith replicating himself not really a good explanation for that he died was unplugged now he can make happy little handsy clones uh but his uh, the thing with him making the clones is just like with most of the things in the sequels was symbolism over content because Neo is the one and his arch enemy is the many and Smith is the uh... many. Okay. All right. Yeah. So it's, it's like a yin yang thing. W was it thought out very well? No, they're just kind of like, what's the opposite of the one a lot. I guess we'll do that to the <laughs> bad guy. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess that mention, works on some level. Do they level. mention a lot in the Bible? Is is there a mention of a dude replicating a bunch? Ah, uh, we can wing it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, mad. I'll believe it. There could have been. I won't know the difference. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I only know the main plot points, like everybody uh, else. <laughs> there was a father and a son, and then one of them dies. I don't yeah. know. Comes back. <laughs> we just have to kill him. If you kill your main character at the end, you've made a Bible movie. Yeah, it's that I easy, think so. Really. I think that's what it is. It's that easy uh, to make a Bible movie. Now, with the conversation of, there's so much conversation of freedom and choice and free will and destiny. What do you think comes out of this as like the, the three-parter, if we were to take that as the series, what do you mm -hmm. take out of this to be like the thesis about choice or whatever, like out of any of these th themes, like does anything ring true for you that you carry with you out of the films? Because I thought I did at the end of the first one, but then mm -hmm. at the end of the third one, I felt more confused. So yeah. I'm curious if you have anything like that that you get to walk away with. Ooh, that's that's fun because I'm exactly the same way because the first movie seems to have this decent kind of 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 like meaning to the story behind it. What's the term for that? I'm I'm pausing on it. Moral to the story mm -hmm. has a decent moral. Everything's laid out and all of that. And then all of that is out the window in the sequels. It's it's all about choice and purpose and destiny, and you have to read it a million times to get into it. It just kind of disappears up its own asshole. And that's really the problem with the sequel movies. Yeah, it felt to me like in the first movie, I was there to draw the conclusions from the plot. And mm -hmm. I felt like I could do that. Um, in the second and third movie, I felt a little bit like they were screaming the themes at me. They yeah. were like, destiny, choice. Think about yeah. the thoughts of having, do you have choice? Do you yeah. wake up and think? And I was like, okay, I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm just trying to watch a movie. What is going on? I really want to look up the uh, the script of that and do a control find and find out how many times the word purpose is mentioned. Because <laughs> yeah. in oh. the big mega Smith fight where they all fight him in like a park, there's he does that whole speech and repeats the term purpose 8 million times yes. without really explaining what his purpose is. Because Neo's like, what are you doing here? And he just says purpose 14 times over, and then they move to the next scene. Yeah, I mean, and I think about all of this also in the larger context of this, like, very alt-right, uh, I don't know if they, I would really qualify them as, like, the fan base of this movie, but they've taken a piece of it and run with it. And I think about this impact that these films have had and the fact that so much of this has to do with freedom and choice and all this stuff and i feel like there's some sort of connection there and it's similar to what i was talking about with um with star wars uh, way back when that there's often very overt messaging that completely conflicts with the very alt-right base that has mm -hmm. taken on parts of the story for their own agenda i'm like 
this was made by people trying to get them to wake up from the shit that you're about like it's very <laughs> it's very interesting that it goes against exactly what they think it is but the lack of awareness around that is to me astounding but i guess that's that's just me that's just me seeing things the way that i see them and it's just it's just the system is it like cuz the yeah. matrix is all like escaping from the system the system is just whatever you don't think is a good thing man like the system can end up being whatever anybody thinks it can be so in the whole the hell matrix thing it's escaping the machines and in the whole alt right thing it's escaping from the gay agenda that's taking uh. away our matrix movies <laughs> they were made by trans women you big clowns <laughs> <laughs> those names mean nothing i'm keeping my trench coat <laughs> Just hiding, hiding inside the trench coat every every ounce of my childhood that I can. Oh, please! No, I I love that, and I I think it's I think it's really fun when films like this are exposed even down the line as having, if not implicit, because I think the implicit messaging is there always. But I I like that it has now been made explicit. The at least one of the thoughts behind these films had to do with the trans identity that may not be the only thing that one gets out of these films of course because there's so much more than that but i think it's cool that now that's being explicitly discussed and a lot of people hopefully have to question if they're like extremely like transphobic they hopefully have to question like well these films are not what i thought they were <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. I, I hope they go through that experience just for the sake of <laughs> humanity um oh so with the new films that i mentioned are you excited about them Oh yeah, very stoked. I have no idea what they're about. I've avoided any sort of information. Okay, on it. cool. And uh, just but I'm I'm confident in what Keanu Reeves can do, and I imagine he has some sort of control of the direction. I wouldn't be even surprised if he was a producer or something on it, because it's I mean, very much his brand. Oh yeah, I mean I didn't know anything about his identity before this, outside of his cameo in a comedy film which i loved and i was like he seems dope that guy um but now that i see him as this like action star yeah i'm excited to see what he does next too and i i'm curious about the love story angle between him and trinity because that became so important in the second two movies especially i think it was quite important in the first one as well because i think she brought it that happened in the first film right she brought him back um to life in yeah. the first film yeah so it was quite important from the get-go but it seemed like she died there at the last film oh, she and got stabbed a whole bunch yeah yeah she got stabbed by many things at the same time and it looked like she was gone yeah. but my sister and i were watching these films together and she was complaining about how long this the action sequences were the whole time and um she said that she that trinity might be coming back for the new film. Oh, the actress is confirmed, yeah. Yes, okay, cool. And I, I'm interested to see how they do that. But anything, anything is possible. Uh, especially in the Matrix movies, because yeah. there's just going to be some hand-waving and the Bible, and they're back now. Like, yeah. we're done. It's been three days. They came out of their it's cave, and happy now we Easter. can do more Jesus stuff. Yeah, happy, <laughs> happy Matrix Easter. Happy Matrix they're going to release it on Easter Day. Oh, God, I hope they about, do. Oh, that's exactly what's going to happen. That's 100%. <laughs> What they're gonna do is like is it jesusy enough yet we're releasing it on on easter they're gonna be like we're hanging we're handing out dairy milk eggs oh yeah yeah cream eggs premiere. cream eggs for the first 100 people at every premiere. oh god merry Just christmas really lean it in yeah i love that <laughs> well i think that probably 
wraps up all of my most pressing questions about the films. I, I'm curious about where they go moving forward. I was confused by the general direction of the last films. Maybe I'll go after this and read up on a bunch of fan theories and help make sense of what happened. Mm -hmm. But I agree with you that if I have to turn to fan theories and forums to understand your film, maybe you should have written it a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing, because there's so many great uh, threads behind it that you won't get unless you do a bunch of behind the scenes writing, which they did not do. It's just been filled in of like, well, maybe this plot hole is because of this. It's like, hey, that's cool. Yeah, I like that idea. And that's the entire series, except and for the first movie, which doesn't go into it as much. Right. And I, I do think that there's probably a certain amount of fanship and fandom that's a situated around the theories around the people who are trying to figure out the matrix um so would you say that there is an identity of a grouping of people that would identify themselves as like fans of the matrix not that i really know of i don't Do you think, think it has just like spread out throughout society i think so i think it didn't they didn't hit as hard as maybe like like the harry potter or star wars or or things like that i don't think there's as cohesive of a fan base behind it and maybe that might just be because it's less visible because it's a lot easier to dress up as a star wars character and not look like a school shooter if you dress up as a matrix character hey, fair and enough. that's kind of the danger between the two <laughs> so they might be more of them they're just not very visible because it's like i'm not gonna dress up as that character and that's definitely not the look i want to go with right now, I do have, I guess, one more question for you. Um, red pill or blue pill? If somebody gave you an option. Are you on your mind blue pill every time? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Right? That's what he... I've, like, why, why? I mean, they say it in the first one. That guy sucks. Whatever his name was, he gets them all killed at the beginning. Yeah, but yeah. Ignorance is bliss. Blue pill. Yeah. Always blue pill. Because it's, it's, it's the same idea of people who talk about like, oh, here's what I would do in a zombie apocalypse. You would die. You would <laughs> be one of the 99% people that die. So if you were to be pulled out of the Matrix, you're not going to be Superman. You're not going to be Neo, who's the one who can like manipulate stuff with his mind. You're going to be the guy like working on a moisture farm 300 feet underground. And that's going to be the rest of your life. Or you could have had a blue pill and at least enjoyed some sunshine every once in a while. Before you get so liquefied and turned yeah, back into you, a human or whatever. As is the natural cycle. I can just be part of their neural network because the battery thing is dumb. It's blue pill. Very dumb. Blue, blue pill, pill neural network. Yeah. Always. You know what? I I agree. I agree. I don't know. I think the real decision would come when someone gave me the two options down there in Alice's Wonderland. Yeah. But until then, I'm sticking by blue pill because, yeah. uh, and if someone wants to call me feeble minded for that, so be it. But oh my God, if I wake up on a ship wearing those raggedy ass clothes, just yeah. take me out. Yeah, I think, and that's the most important lesson to come from the Matrix. If someone comes to you with a blue pill, red pill question, first question qualifier that you should ask is, what are the clothes that you yeah, wear? Yeah, what out will there? I be wearing? And if the answer is scratchy and always torn, maybe take the blue pill. Yeah, if they're like, you're going to always be cold. Okay, well, that's an immediate no. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> I'm good. We have no washing machines in the real world. <laughs> Tragic. Eat slop every day? No, just shoot me. Yeah. Um, okay, well, thank you so much, Gavin. This has been a blast. Thank you oh, for answering all of my pressing questions about The Matrix. I, Absolutely. I'm just so glad I got to talk to a real person who has loved these movies. Because uh, <laughs> I'll be honest, I kind of like them too. They're great. They're so much fun. They're so much fun. Thank you so much for being here. And where can people find you? Online uh, somewhere? 
Yeah, you can look me up on Instagram at uh, Gavin Clarkson Comedy or on Facebook at uh, Gavin Clarkson Comedy as well. And that brings us to the end of this episode. Thanks again to Gavin, of course, for being such a wonderful guest. Go check him out on social media. The handles will be in the episode description. You may have noticed, friends, that this episode is significantly shorter than the last two, and that is intentional. So let me know what you think of this length. Do you prefer your podcast longer or shorter? Do you think size doesn't matter? If you have an opinion, I want to know what it is, so feel free to share it with me. I am on a podcast journey, so any feedback you have is very helpful. You can share your thoughts about the content of this episode or about the podcast in general by DMing me on the podcast Instagram at OKFineIllWatchIt or by joining the OKFine community Discord, which is linked in that Instagram bio. By joining the Discord, you can also share your thoughts about what you think I should watch next. There's a whole channel dedicated to recommendations, so recommend something. Spoiler alert! I might listen to you. (laughs) You can also tell me if you would take the red pill or the blue pill. Seriously, I'm very curious. I want to know what you think. Also, what does taking the red pill mean to you? Because I think that's very highly up for debate. (laughs) I would love to know your thoughts about this and anything else related to the podcast. And if you want to join me on a watch party for the Avatar The Last Airbenders series finale we can do that too you don't have to watch me cry if you don't want i can turn the camera off (laughs) so that's pretty much everything from me feel free to subscribe to the podcast or follow it so that you don't miss an episode and rate and review if you liked this episode that's everything if you join the discord i will see you there okay bye